Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to See Also. I'm Kate Jinks. I've given Brody the week off to get her tree sorted. It's a Christmas miracle episode because last year you might remember that I was joined by my friend Chelsea Fairless to talk all things Todd Haynes Carol. This year she is back taking time off from her hit podcast, Every Outfit, that I'm sure you will know about, to talk about one of the I don't know. Is it a good film, Chelsea? I, I'm not sure. Hi, everyone. You know what? I do think it's a good film in retrospect. Like when you first reached out to me, I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to watch this movie again. But then when I watched it again, I realized like, no, it's an entertaining film. We just have a fundamental problem with it, which is that we don't want the two leads of a rom-com to end up together. That's a pretty big you know? flaw. Yeah, so we're talking about <laughs> Happiest Season. So Happiest Season came out in 2020. It's directed by Claire Duvall and co-written by Claire Duvall with Mary Holland, who also stars. And I mean... Before we get into the film, I want to know, Chelsea, how your Christmas season is going. When this episode airs, there's like a week left, max. So, like, where are you at in your Christmas stage? I know the flocked tree that you talked about last year is up. Oh, there she is. She's looking <laughs> great. She's up. The tree is up. Um, but actually, I think my favorite holiday tradition is now recording the Christmas episodes of See Also. 
Although I'm scared to think what lesbian Christmas film will be left next year. Like, that's going to be the rock bottom year. We're going to be scraping the barrel, I think, (laughs) next year. Someone's got to make some film in the meantime. Honestly, I don't know why anyone makes films for lesbians because... We watch all of them, but we're like such cunts about them. Like, unless it's literally Carol, we're like, we hate this movie. You know what I mean? Oh, we are the absolute worst audience for these <laughs> films. And these films are literally made for us. Um, but we're the exact people who are like, oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. <laughs> like, this is, <laughs> I'm not represented. I don't feel seen by this. No, it's so true. There's another Christmas moment in a different film that you recently covered on Every Outfit, and I was so pleased for you to mention it. Reality Bites, the poinsettia moment mm. that um, yes. Janine Garofalo, when she gets the she gets an upgrade at her job at The Gap, it's because her manager tried to kill herself by eating poinsettias, and every time I see a poinsettia at Christmas, that's all I can think of. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only person that has these same intrusive thoughts because (laughs) they've been plaguing me for years, every Christmas. Well, they're only mildly toxic to cats and dogs as well, so you'd be eating a lot. (laughs) Did you have that thing growing up? Uh, I don't know if this was like Australia only, but that kids would try to eat a lot of nutmeg to get high? That sounds like some tragic American thing, but... I, to my knowledge, I, I have no knowledge of that. Mm. I think you would have to have like, how much, how much spice would you be having to consume? <laughs> I do not know. You know, that's going to be my new Christmas tradition. I feel like I actually don't have that many holiday traditions. I decorate, like I do that. I rewatch the family stone and love actually every year, you know? Yeah. Um, But what about you? Well, I mean, I do the tree. I mean, like, I love to decorate for Christmas. But yeah, like, I've got, you know, like, I feel like I'm always doing A&R for my Christmas playlist because I've got two. One goes for two hours and the other one goes for seven hours. And I'm always looking for new songs for that seven-hour mix. And, like, very rarely (laughs) one scrapes through into the upper echelon of the main two-hour mix. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm like, constantly scouting. I'm, like, really out in the community looking for Christmas songs. Okay, but have you heard Cher's new Christmas song? I have not. Okay, it's called DJ Play a Christmas Song. <laughs> and <laughs> I love it already. I know. it. She. I feel like she debuted it at a Paris Fashion Week party. Like, I think she sang it, like, at the Paco Rabanne after party, but, like, in September or something outrageous like that. And, uh, and yeah, I think it's actually been kind of a hit for her, or at least, you know, in the gay world. Okay. Do you think it's good for the two-hour mix or it's a seven-hour mix only? <laughs> it's a hard call. I, I can't answer that question for you. Okay, happiest season. There's a lot to talk about, Chelsea. You know, when I floated this idea with you, I did think, would this sustain a conversation? And I rewatched it, and oh my God, the notes. I, I never usually take a lot of notes when I'm like watching a film to do like a poodle episode of C also, but copious. Like I was dumbfounded and shocked and amused (laughs) by so much that happens in this film. Um, If you haven't seen it before, the very quick logline is essentially 
Harper, played by Mackenzie Davis, is in a relationship with Abby, played by Kristen Stewart. They're like a fully in love lesbian couple and glamoured by Christmas lights one night. Harper invites Little Orphan Abby home for the holidays to meet her parents. (laughs) But there's like this catch that Harper's not actually out to her parents, sisters or anyone else in the town except her ex-girlfriend, Riley, played by Aubrey Plaza. Uh, And not knowing that Abby had actually planned to propose to her on Christmas Day, Harper makes Abby pretend that she's her straight roommate and Abby starts making these increasingly heightened phone calls home to her gay best friend, played by Dan Levy. And sort of hijinks ensue, basically, right? I think that's a perfect description. <laughs> I saw this in the cinema when it first came out. Uh, I think it mostly went to streaming around the world because of the pandemic. But did you? how did you first see this film? Like, were you waiting for it? Well, it did not get a theatrical release in the United States. It went straight to Hulu. That's a shame. Which tragically you guys don't have, and I'm sure it's super annoying when all of you Australians listen to every podcast talking about watching shit on Hulu, and you're like, wait, what's the one that you guys have, Stan? Yeah, we've. I mean, we've got Stan, we've got Binge. I think it would generally go to Binge over here. Oh, okay. Good to know. That's more like your housewives central zone. But May-December doesn't even come out here until February, Chels. That's so sad, but like you saw it a year before everyone else, so you're fine. Yeah, I'm you're taken care of. I'm fine, but you know. I know. I finally saw it last weekend and I had to watch it two days in a row. It was just too much to take in in a single viewing. Much like Happier Season? Exactly. Exactly. So I find it funny how bad the title sequence is in this movie. It's very Family Stone-esque in that way. It's like it looks like CGI Christmas cards or something to that effect. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, actually. I mean, it's cheesy and kind of cute. I love the Family Stone throwback graphics to like It's a Wonderful Lifestyle Christmas film. It's very cute, you know, like little robins bearing like bows, etc. Snow is falling on like some (laughs) cottages. It's sweet. But this one, it's sort of like portraits from a YA novel but like not a good one more like the babysitter's club but the little sister spin-off you know like not even like (laughs) main flagship babysitter's club or like yeah what were those bitches names again (laughs) Karen Karen was the little sister Christy's sister they're not great illustrations right yes I, I agree not great no but I have watched this film Like, even though I didn't enjoy it and was, like, essentially yelling in the cinema where I first saw it, I have watched it every year since. Like, it has become Christmas canon to me. And I think, is there something wrong with me or are we just, like, starved? No, that's my point. We're bitches. Like, this is a completely funny, watchable movie. It definitely has problems, right? Like, it's not, it's a wonderful life, the gay version. (laughs) No. But, like... I'm trying to imagine what that would be like now. Well, they wouldn't feature the scene where the worst thing that can possibly happen in that movie if Jimmy Stewart had never existed is that his wife actually became a spinster librarian. Do you remember that amazing scene? Yes. It's like, she's at the library. Like, it's it's like the worst possible thing a woman could do. So funny. But, yeah, it's like, when you think about it, It's entertaining, right? Because that's my number one criteria for a movie. Entertaining. 
Cast is good. Writing, uneven, but has some good moments, has some funny moments. Like I said, we have a problem with the central relationship and we can't get past it. And we're snobby dykes. Like we're snobs. Yeah. Snobby dykes. Yeah, we are snobby dykes. That's the tagline for this episode. Clea Duvall, I mean, lesbian icon at this point. We love her. Yes, we have to respect mother. <laughs> but I love how mother is like 10 years older than us. Yeah, she is. <laughs> if that. Um, I, yeah, I don't think she's even that much older than me, which is scary. <laughs> uh, but she worked on this film for 12 years. And I feel like you can tell in this film because the politics within this film had sort of moved on by the time it came out. Like essentially this, the whole massive issue of this film is that Harper is to Mackenzie Davis is cannot come out to her family because her family are kind of these vaguely Republican couple living in Nowheresville. Like you don't really ever know the town that they're living in. I think it could be Pittsburgh adjacent. Don't know. Uh, and the dad, played by Victor Garber, is uh, he's running for mayor, and so she's too scared to. She, like all the children, all the three daughters kind of fit into this cookie cutter lifestyle of the parents. But you're watching it now and you're like, there is a gay bar in that town. So, <laughs> like, is it it's <laughs> yeah. not that believable? No, no. And it's, it's, it's fully crazy because for those of you who have forgotten, basically what happens is the Mackenzie Davis character invites Kristen Stewart to sort of on a whim, maybe possibly vaguely drunk. The Christmas spirit has infected her. She's like, come back home and meet my parents, whatever. And then in the car is where she reveals, like in the car after they've packed, when they're on their way to see the parents is when she's like, oh, I failed to mention that actually I'm completely closeted and you have to pretend to be my roommate. It's a shocking moment, right? Like... It's wild. Like when she reveals that, it's like they've already driven halfway to the house. Like there's no turning back at that point. But like what a monster. A monster. I mean, there's no universe in which I would have ended up at the parents' house. No, you'd be turning around, right? But I totally see what you're saying about Cleo Duvall having developed this for so many years. Like maybe... 15 years ago, this could have been a slightly more realistic and acceptable premise. Mm. Yeah. But watching it now, all we can think as the audience is like, this woman is a monster. And how dare she do this to Kristen Stewart, who's obviously like such an important actress for us. Yeah. Us lesbians, you know. Yeah. It feels like, you know, she's like punching the Virgin Mary in the face or something. You know, it's like, don't you realize what you have? Don't you realize what is in your car right now? It's Kristen's fucking Stewart. Exactly. Yeah. That whole car scene is so wild because at first you're like, oh, no, like she's she's unable to come out to her parents. She's living this kind of life of internal shame and homophobia. But then you get to the family's house and because it's a Christmas film the mother Mary Steenbergen what's her character's name Tipper that she and Ted essentially just like conservative parents but they're not 
bad people because it's a Christmas film, so you can't actually have like terrible villains and to like get to the ending of the film that you kind of it's a Christmas rom-com everything's going to end pretty well like we know that from the jump but yeah you can't actually have awful parents in it so therefore you're just like she's a monster like it all kind of falls back on this character Harper because you can't actually blame it on the parents at that point no, the parents like don't give a shit. They have like one little moment. I mean, sure, like maybe Mary Steenburgen and Victor Garber are not on, say, the level of Diane Keaton and Craig T. Nelson in The Family Stone. Oh, my God. How does this keep movie keep coming up? But yeah, they're ultimately accepting. Yeah. So the stakes could not be lower in this movie because a she's too old to be closeted. At, in this day and age. Yeah. You know what I mean? Given she's her lack yeah. of. Yeah, she's an adult. And I understand that some people have specific circumstances that force them to stay closeted to their family. But like this bitch is like not one of those people, you know? No, like she's living a whole other life in the city. I don't know. Like the fact that I can't tell the metro region that they're in. Like I'm like, I don't know how many people like they're going to these jewelry stores in like both towns that look like Stars Hollow. To me, it feels like an affluent suburb of a larger city, like as San Rafael is to San Francisco or something like that. You know, Okay, that was just my assumption. You have brought up the family stone a number of times. Let's go there. <laughs> and um, you covered it in like a special episode a couple of Christmases ago. And I remember that this film was so badly received. Like I remember that like the reviews were vicious. Everybody hated it. But actually looking back at like the big reviews, people loved this film. <laughs> and it was just us <laughs> snobby dykes, like as you say, who were picking it apart like the pretentious vultures that we are, uh, just wanting everything to be perfect. Um, not everything can be a tar, though. No. There was one review that said, so while Happiest Season works remarkably well as a straightforward Christmas movie, a wittier, warmer cousin to the family stone, perhaps. I was uh, shocked by that because nothing is wittier or warmer than The Family Stone. <laughs> well, also, this film has a much less depressing ending than The Family Stone. One thing about that movie is like we always forget about like how it ends and the vibe when you leave the theater is like very, very somber. Oh, yeah. When I first heard that Clea Duvall was making her Christmas films, I was so hungry for it. Like, I was looking up the pics from behind the scenes. I could not wait. And then, of course, disappointed by the results, but now watch it every year. It's Christmas canon. But the cast is so good in this, except maybe for Mackenzie Davis, but we can get to that. But, like, Dan Levy is, like, this perfect gay BFF. He has, like, the best lines in the film. Uh, Mary Steenburgen, I mean, I'm just glad that she's... No notes. <laughs> and then Victor Garber, like, perfect casting for a conservative, potentially homophobic dad, given that he is also, like, a gay man who's been married to his partner of, like, 14 years. So I quite <laughs> like that kind of casting of it. But... Um, Kristen Stewart was interviewed in like IndieWire or Variety or something, and she was asked like, 
should gay people only play gay people? And that classic stupid question. And um, and basically she had to kind of say, well, Mackenzie Davis is just an ally. Like she's not queer. And but she couldn't think of anybody else that she that could have been cast in this film. Whereas Mackenzie Davis, I'm like, she was great in the San Junipero, but yes, I agree. But she was completely miscast in this film, completely, and so miscast that like I actually thought that she was going to get back together with her high school boyfriend the first time I saw this just because they had like much better chemistry you know like I'm all for straight people playing gay characters I don't personally have a problem with it but they have to actually be able to convincingly be gay and I didn't believe that that character was into women there's just absolutely no chemistry between these two actors. And, like, K-Stew is giving it all she's got. Like, she is really charming on screen. As soon as Aubrey Plaza comes into the picture, they have such good chemistry. And, of course, everyone wants her to, like, end up with Riley, the Aubrey Plaza character. Like, as you say, like, the main premise of this film that they are a couple in love and we need to try to get them back together again you know it's crazy to me no no and she has such great chemistry with Aubrey Plaza who is also a fantastic part of this cast as is Alison Brie as the uptight sister well also the other sister I love Mary Holland who co-wrote the film yes Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. And that's why she kind of gets, she gets, she's given herself some good lines, I will say. Yeah. Alison Brie is great in this. I loved your episode with her, by the way. She was a fuckhead. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, she's great. But she is almost acting in a different film. It's like the tone of this film, it's so confusing because the family are actually, like the sisters are actively mean to each other the whole time. Like it's not, doesn't have that like cute ribbing that happens between like siblings at Christmas time or when you go home. It's like they're full monsters to each other. Well, I'm an only child. I wouldn't know about this sibling business, but I'll take your word for it. You would witness it with Tat's Christmas family, surely. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's that's like Australian Kardashians over there. (laughs) And, you know, I know I do know (laughs) I've witnessed it. I love it. Yeah, just that kind of, it's just, I don't know, it's like a, not a family I want to be involved in. Whereas Family Stone, on the other hand, it's like... Well, also, I think because we've seen Family Stone, we accept the idea that like in a rom-com, the person that comes to the Christmas might not end up with the right, with the might not end up with the person they came with. You know what I mean? Well, I guess in this, in that way, Dan Levy, book publicist, ends up kind of with the sister, with the Mary Holland sister. I can't remember her name right now. But Mary Holland is someone I had never seen before in a film, but she was in Veep, which is how she knows Claire Duvall and how they started working together. But she is in... Uh, an improv troupe in LA called, or used to be called Wild Horses. Uh, and one of the other founding members of that is Stephanie Allen, Tignataro's wife and 
the worst character mm. on L Word Gen Q. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but I'm glad that you have uh, spoken the truth on that. Yeah, it had to had to happen. Have you ever met Kristen Stewart? Uh, no, I never have. Yeah. I've never met her. I've never seen her, unfortunately. She's not hanging out at Ruby Fruit? I have not. I have yet to see her at Ruby Fruit. No. Okay, but back to the Mary Holland character. She is so infantile that it is disturbing. Like it's bordering on Natalie Portman and Black Swan and her mom type. And I could see some weird, like darker version of this film where her and Mary Steenburgen do have some sort of like twisted codependent relationship. Yeah, or like the idol, like uh, Mary Steenburgen's going to come out and hit Mary Holland with a brush any minute now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, the Mary Holland character is so appallingly treated the entire time. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past this family to just like lock her in the attic or something, you know? <laughs> she is full flowers in the attic, this kid. She really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that totally. Okay, I can't believe... We've talked about this movie for as long as we have without mentioning Mackenzie Davis's wig because it's so bad, Chelsea. It's so bad. And, you know, because I wanted to do a little research for this episode, I did find a pop sugar interview with the hairstylist from this film who said that Mackenzie Davis came in with a uh, like mid length blonde bob And they wanted her to have this long brown hair so that she looked more conservative. And I'm like, what's more conservative than like a blunt blonde bob? Like that's how like Fox News anchors like do their hair. You know what I mean? Like there's a way to do that. It just seemed weird. Yeah. Right. That seems strange. It's like maybe dye it brown and just put an Alice band over the top. Like that's all you actually need to do for that kind of conservative look. Yeah. Unless someone had already budgeted for wigs in this like costuming department. Like there was no reason. There was no reason to put her in a wig. And the wig is so bad and it is so distracting the entire film. Well, and it's also kind of like wispy and piecey. So ultimately, to me, it didn't even look that conservative, you know? Yeah. Like girls in Silver Lake have hair like that. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Um, I know. Yeah, there's no reason. Like Mary Steenbergen's hair is she's got like a little bob and she's like the most her name's Tipper. Like (laughs) I know that people love Mackenzie Davis, that she's got this like huge fandom. Was she in like a Terminator film or something? I'm not sure. I am so the wrong person to ask about that. (laughs) I saw her in the Black Mirror episode. Excellent. And then she was in Station Eleven, which I enjoyed the TV show very much. But because I knew her so well as the monstrous Harper character, like I was never on her side in Station Eleven, like truly she has become an actress for me that is only one role. Like You know when those, like certain people, you're like, I can't get past you. In Like I, I'm judging you fully, like I believe fully that you are actually the character. And I was trying to think of like, are there any, I can't think of any others right now, but for me she is Harper. You know actually who I think that about is Dan Levy. I can't separate him from the Schitt's Creek character, which is, I guess, a negative for him, but it doesn't bother me because I love that character. And on some level, I do think that his character in this film is the same character, you know? 
Very right. Yeah, his character is the same. He kind of doles out the same amount of, like, wisdom and, like, witty little quips that he would in his, you know, in Shit's Creek. Like, he 100% is that character. I don't actually think I've seen him in anything else. No, I haven't. I haven't. But whenever I do see him, I always feel seen because I feel represented by his viewpoint. And I feel that way in this movie as well. Yeah. I, until the end, Chels, I like I'm fully with him. Like I'm there for, you know, when uh, Kristen Stewart reveals that she wants to propose to Harper on Christmas Day and she's going to get like the dad's permission etc and he is really it's just like why do you want to buy into this and he like paints it as this like extremely patriarchal oh he's you as fuck he totally is (laughs) and uh, he's you (laughs) I mean like I like a wedding I like to go to a wedding no you don't you hate going to weddings and you're sad that gay marriage is legal because now you have to go to gay weddings and straight weddings and you can't use the excuse that you guys don't have marriage equality. And you know what? I respect that about you. I do like a wedding. If you get remarried, I would love to be at that wedding, Chelsea. There is some part of you that will always hate a wedding and never change. Never change. He's right. Why do we have to participate in this archaic heteronormative ritual? I mean, I do because I married a foreigner, but... You know. Yeah. Yeah. He says something. He has a really good line. He's like, when Kristen Stewart's having a really bad time and she calls him up for advice and he just says, have you managed to get a man's permission to take ownership of an adult human woman yet? (laughs) (laughs) So good. I love it. But then he's the one who turns around at the end and is like, every coming out story is different. And like, actually, you're in the wrong here, babe. And you should forgive Harper and be with her. And like, teaches Harper how to track Abby by Kristen Stewart by GPS. That is not okay. The GPS tracking is not okay. See, it seemed romantic in the context of this film, but now that I hear you saying that, yes, I agree. Not appropriate. Not appropriate at all. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. We need to get back to the Aubrey Plaza um, situation yes. within this film because genuinely people were very upset watching it that they didn't end up together. We've already talked about, like, the chemistry between them, t- the two of them. But it's like as soon as Aubrey Plaza arrives 
It's like a balm. It's like watching Luke Wilson come in on in the Family Stone. You're just like a little bit of you relaxes, right? Like mm-hmm. you're just like I'm in safe hands here. <laughs> like here is a good character. Here is someone who can do something in this film who's not just like a pure pure evil. And I love that scene where they go to the gay bar. It's like the nicest part of the entire film. It's like worth rewatching just for that scene. I agree. I agree. It's delightful. And Aubrey Plaza is really carving out a niche for herself as kind of like, I guess, the new Natasha Leone in the sense that she can very convincingly play a lesbian in a film and we all love it and vibe with it. Yeah, she's like she's gay baiting and she's well, she's bi baiting, I suppose. She's queer, but um Oh, I didn't know that. Apparently she has said this. I mean, she didn't like come for variety like Billie Eilish did this week. Did you see that? Oh my god, that was insane. That was fully insane. Well, also I do think we should normalize receipts, but secondly, the Billie Eilish thing. It's like, that's not outing, hun. No, it's like, didn't she put it on her own Instagram? No, she said something. I forget what exactly she said, but she said something in an interview. And then this poor woman that works for Variety, who's like also gay, obviously asked her about it. And like they talked about it. And then she came for Variety and this woman on her Instagram, which is just crazy because it's like, if you don't want to talk about it, just be like, I'm here to talk about my song from the Barbie soundtrack or whatever the fuck she was promoting. Yeah, totally. I'm going to keep my private life private. Like, Clea Duvall didn't come out publicly for a very long time. Like, Shane from the L Word, like, she didn't, she wasn't out when that, when the show first aired. She wasn't out. I don't even know if she ever came out because I remember I like her and Samantha Ronson were DJing at some random club in Hollywood, (laughs) maybe like four or five years ago. And I went and I ran into my friend who's a journalist and she was like, you know, she's never come out, right? Hmm. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? And she was like, she will not talk about it ever. Just won't. So when Generation Q came out, I was like, has she come out ever or is she just kind of like, is it just assumed now? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Well, it's like Victor Garber, bringing it back to Happiest Season, he he didn't come out for a really long time. And then he was just like, oh, I just thought everybody knew. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely that generation. I understand why one would just be closeted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Totally. And even even like in I understand even in Clea Duvall's era, I guess, when she was still starting out, it was risky. I mean, look what happened to Rupert Everett's career. Oh, yeah. So nothing. That's what happened. But like in Kristen Stewart, I mean, she kind of had the ability to come out very publicly and still get all of the roles because she kind of had the critical acclaim behind her. And in the interview where she was talking about, like, should gay people just play gay people or queer people, uh, she's like, well, that would mean that I would have to stop playing straight roles. Oh, God, I just I'm exhausted by this whole (laughs) I'm exhausted by that whole conversation. I get it. Like, obviously, we need to cast like more queer people in queer roles but sometimes I see those movies where they have only cast queer people in those roles and it's like it's Generation Q 
It is Generation Q. I know, Vale, Generation Q. I think the most authentic kind of queer thing in this film that is not the gay bar, though I do really love that scene, is that when you first see Harper's teenage bedroom, her walls are covered in Josh Hartnett posters, and that is, like, such a perfect teen lesbian, like, teen not out lesbian, you know? It's such a closeted Mm -hmm. actor. Um, I was trying to think, like, who was on my walls, but... River Phoenix. River Phoenix is who you had. Yeah, I'm still... Yeah, I'd still have River posters up in my in my room. What am I talking about? Yeah, exactly. Who did you have? Leonardo. Yeah. It's like that Annie Leibovitz swan image ingrained mm-hmm. in my memory. Yeah. Same. And, like, Clea Duvall has, like, tried to make this, like, the queerest film. Like, she's got music by Sia and Tegan and Sarah. So the gay bar that they go to, very cute. But I do love in the film how it is such a heavy contrast between that and the sports bar that Harper is hanging out with, with, like, the her ex-boyfriend or whatever, the guy that her parents want her to be with, Cooper, and all of their high school friends. And the fact that it's called Fratties really amuses me. (laughs) And I love that Kristen Stewart, like, turns up and is like, no, babe, not for me, and, like, leaves immediately after she's just, like, left the cosy warmth of the the drag bar. Um, But, yeah, the chemistry stuff in the film, like, like, there are two kind of not risque by any stretch, but two scenes where you're like, oh, something could happen. One is when... Harper sends Abby a selfie and it is like the tamest. It's like just a photo of like the (laughs) bottom of her chin and her neck. Mm -hmm. No, it's not enough. It's not enough is what it is. No. And then you kind of, you see them kind of going to bed together, but like it's true well of loneliness. It's like, and then the lights turned out and like, that's it. There's like nothing else (laughs) actually happens in it. And I guess Clea Duvall was trying to make like some very family friendly PG film whereas we're all like where's the carol scene right well it was developed in this sort of modern family era so perhaps that just you know yeah it tamed it down a lot yeah exactly right i do have to say another reason why i relate to dan levy is that i too was once house sitting for someone and i i didn't actually kill all of their fish but i thought that i killed all of their fish Because the fish tank, like, it lights up during the day and then the lights turn off at night. And I didn't realize that. And I looked at it. I was like, oh, my God, the tank unplugged. All the fish are dead. I'm going to have to call my friend at three in the morning and tell them I killed their fish. I didn't do that, but it was fine. When that happens to Dan Levy in the film, I'm like, yeah, I would just go and buy another fish. Like, how would they know? How would anybody know? But people, I guess, are attached to their fish, right? They're attached to their fish. They'd know. It would be like if someone got a new Top Chef. You'd be like, this is not, you know. I would. You'd know. I would know. If Top Chef was replaced, no other poodle is like (laughs) Top Chef, that is for sure. Another monstrous moment in this film is when it is revealed that uh, Harper has not told Abby that there is a long-standing family tradition where they have a white elephant party and everybody has to bring a gift it's like a Kris Kringle-style thing where everyone has to bring a gift that goes under the tree. And there is a moment when it's only revealed to her through, like, like Riley says it or something, like maybe Alison Bree says it, I can't remember. But 
That is such a like that is such a bad thing to do to have forgotten that, right? I agree. In the scheme of things she forgot to tell her about, I actually think the the white elephant is low on the list, but sure. Okay, yeah, maybe like not being out to her parents is 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 a good one. One of the see alsos I have for Happiest Season is a BuzzFeed quiz that I asked you to do, Chelsea. Oh Did my you get God. Dan Levy like you should have? No, no, I got Kristen Stewart actually. So did I. Oh, really? Oh, that's so nice. Wait, I think I saved the description of our character. You are passionate, romantic, and easygoing. All you need is love and maybe a few pets to take care of. People sometimes take advantage of your go-with-the-flow attitude, but you're working on speaking up for yourself and being bolder. Well, I don't think we have a problem with speaking up for ourselves. <laughs> no, I that's one so. thing. I'm glad I have that sorted. I do think that... I do think we're both passionate, romantic, and easygoing. Yeah, and we love our pets, that's for sure. Yeah, we love our pets. Love. Yeah, we are Abbies. Actually, we are Abbies. <laughs> I don't if the test was a little more nuanced, maybe we'd end up being Aubrey Plaza or Dan Levy cuz I do feel like they actually are probably the closest to our personalities, but I'll take Kristen Stewart. I will take Kristen Stewart. I loved how they styled Kristen Stewart for the end scene when she's like, fuck it, I'm out. Like, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not a dyke. And she turns up to the, like, white elephant party and she's wearing, like, a slouchy, like, ivory-colored silk shirt with, like, an undone bow tie. (laughs) It's like, here she is. Like, this is... That's our girl. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, like, Riley's always looking a little... I don't know, like a little Zara Tar or something. Like she's mm-hmm. Zara Tar <laughs> is so funny. I know exactly what that means. It's like everything's a little too skinny. Yeah, I'll link to the BuzzFeed quiz in our show notes, and also that Kristen Stewart interview that I talked about. And there's a really good interview in interview with Clea Duvall. Uh, speaking to Natasha Leone when this came out. Do you have any more? Um, yeah, I my also also for this would be the runaways because in this film, Kristen Stewart actually has chemistry with a woman, and that woman is Dakota Fanning. And directed by Floria Sigismondi, who directed so many important music videos from my youth. And Yeah, I just think that movie is so fun and sexy and brilliant. It's so underappreciated. I really love that film. It's really good. The other thing you can watch for some Kristen Stewart chemistry is the uh, Tontino's skit of SNL from a few years ago. Did you see that? Oh, yes, I did. I did. That's pretty cute. I'll link to that, too. Very cute. Yeah, love our girl. Love her in everything. Also, Panic Room, iconic. I mean, and she's endlessly fabulous. She is. And uh, like, I will never go past her in Clouds of Sils Maria, a personal shopper. She's so good. So good. Oh, yes. Okay, it's time for our also also's where we recommend things. You had some great ones last year for Carol Chels, and this one is kind of Christmas happiest season themed. So, what have you got for us? Okay, so my also also's 
Like I said, I do get very into Christmas and Christmas decorating. So this year, I am really into this fabulous snow globe I just bought from this company called Short Order. And inside of it is a miniature version of the Tribeca Institution Odeon, which is one of my favorite places in New York. I no longer live in New York. So I'm just so excited to have this in my house. It's utterly delightful. That's so great. I love the Odeon. I was there a couple of months ago and my friend had the most iconic order. He had a Shirley Temple and a scoop of mint ice cream. Oh, wow. That's incredible. My first one is Marley Bakes, a baker based in Melbourne. You would have seen her like 70s inspired cakes. Everyone was getting them for their birthdays, including me for a while. They're super cute, delicious. But she is doing a special Christmas like festive order. She's got festive cakes. There are a couple of things that you can choose from. I think four in total, but my faves are Judy's Tree and there's a matcha Yulanda, which is like a kind of a scroll thing. Um, You can order until the 18th of December until sold out and you have to pick it up by the 23rd of December. And I have already ordered for my own holiday party. These are too cute. Chelsea, you would love them. Okay, well, I'm now I'm just fucking sad that I can't eat that. They don't ship to L.A., do they? I don't think they do. <laughs> okay, my next also also might be a little too specific for some of your listeners, but I have an English bulldog, and because they have such unconventional proportions, they don't really fit in standard dog clothing, They need something that's a little more bespoke. So I love this company called Wonton Collection that makes clothes just for bulldogs. And I just bought my my dog, Mr. Big, the cutest, fluffy little Grinch costume for Christmas morning. And I'm someone that's really like when I see fleece onesies on human beings I'm like oh hell no like I'm horrified by it but on a dog I think it's acceptable so I'm really excited about that I am looking forward to receiving a photo of Mr. Big in that costume (laughs) Uh, I in turn will send you one I can't remember if I told you this last year but it didn't arrive in in time for Christmas so thank god Top Chef still fits into it it's not a replica of it but it looks just like the address that Rindy wears in Carol. <laughs> oh my God. You did tell me about this. Yes. It's like got a little plaid wow. skirt and like a a little um like knit sort of mock turtleneck uh with like a crossover back on it that's like all tartan. Anyway, I thought about getting him a bobbed wig, but he it, it that's too cruel. So I'll just put him in the dress. Wait, didn't Leisha Haley start that pet wig company? Is that still around? What? Wait, you didn't know about this? No. Okay, Leisha Haley literally started a company that sells wigs for cats and dogs. I can't, I don't know if it's still around. I can't believe you didn't know about this, but like she'd post on Instagram like, at like RuPaul's like drag con being like, I'm in booth like 110 selling my pet wigs. Like... It's kind of a genius idea. <laughs> I am flabbergasted. I am wow. Google it right now. Google, I don't know what the company's called. Just Google Leisha Haley pet wigs and see what happens because 
Or you know what? Maybe I'm lying. Maybe I've just like hallucinated this. I mean, no, she's. I mean, she had like she's had stores before. Doesn't like her partner, her wife, or whatever have? Doesn't she own like free people or something? Oh my okay, god! That was literally like twenty years ago. Oh. I don't keep up. I don't keep up. I don't even think Free City is still a store in LA. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're so right. Pet wigs are a thing. Pet wigs. Oh my god! So maybe this is how you could finally get your perfect costume for Top Chef. Yeah. Oh, she said she had to start it because there weren't any pet wigs conveniently available, nor did they come in a wide selection of colors and styles. (laughs) Thank God our girl came through. I know. Really didn't see that coming from her. (laughs) No. Amazing. Thanks, Chelsea. You've really, that's a true Christmas miracle. I love a Christmas scent. I know that you do too, Chels. Um, Mm. And I used to buy this one every year from Liberty in London. They would work with this like small family who put together like an essential oil blend and it changed imperceptibly every year. And every year I was a sucker and just bought the new one. But I really love, uh, my friend Rosie uh, introduced it to me last year. It's an incense by Payne's, the like American incense company. It's called Holiday Memories. And it's so delightful. And it comes in like a very cute, like little wrapper that the illustration looks like what Happier Season title graphics wanted to be. You know, it's so sweet. But it's like not a too kind of overpoweringly saccharine kind of smell. How do you spell pains? Because I just Googled this and I just got like the saddest stock image of a man crying in front of a Christmas tree. <laughs> it's definitely not that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it's got the cutest little <laughs> I'm going to send that to you. It's so funny. It's P-A-I-N-E-S. In Australia, you can get it from Pan After, but it's like widely, widely stocked across the U.S. Gorgeous. I love that. So my last also also is my very special John Waters Christmas ornament, which is official merch from his exhibition at the Academy Museum here in LA. They do have an online store so you can purchase it if you do not live in Los Angeles, but it is a really beautiful, typical glass-blown ornament of uh, of his bust. And I think he looks pretty fabulous. I really need that in my life. It looks like he's wearing one of his infamous like calm blazers. It's amazing looking. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. Or Walter Van Berendonk. I actually just went to his annual, because in the States, he does this Christmas show that he tours around with during the holidays. And I went to it last weekend. It was very fun, very festive. Did he have like special guests or? No, he does stand up for like an hour and a half about Christmas. Oh, my God. I would kill for that, (laughs) Chelsea. I wish you would like snuck a phone in and recorded it for me. Um, That is so great. I need that ornament in my life. I'll bring you one. (laughs) I'm putting in an order for sure. Um, My last one is maybe something that I will have to crack into because I don't have that John Waters Christmas ornament for my Christmas tree this year. Uh, It's the Four Pillars Christmas Gin. They do it annually, Four Pillars, of course, the gin company from Australia, if you're listening in the States. They distill Christmas puddings 
and then they age the gin in these um, hundred-year-old musket barrels, and it has this gin has like uh, juniper, but also Christmas spices in it, and it is perfect to mix for like a little holiday cocktail for yourself. I like a stiff drink at Christmas time, so <laughs> I think it's the right. You know, like you've got your shopping, your. I'm going to cut that out. I know you like a stiff drink at Christmas time. Do not do not cut it out. <laughs> I always like a stiff drink. If I'm going to have a stiff drink at Christmas time, it better have some pudding spice in there. Exactly. I love that. I think you're underselling how gorgeous this bottle is, though. I just Googled. Well, thanks for listening to our very special Happiest Season Poodle. You can follow See Also over on Instagram. That's the best place for it, at See Also Podcast. And last week, we have just started a Patreon, long time coming. Uh, There is one tier, The Hog Hive. It gets you ad-free episodes. It gets you a couple of bonus episodes. We actually released a bonus episode uh, last week where BL and I talked through our dreamy weekend itineraries in Sydney and Melbourne, which is something we get asked for often. So it's all in there, but it's only behind the paywall. And the extra special thing about it is that if you sign up for the Patreon, you will not have any breaks over the Christmas holidays. So for the next two weeks, (laughs) normally we would be human normal people who would take a break but for the patreon subscribers we're not you're gonna get normal episodes for the next two weeks and if not come back in two weeks time well i am very happy to be a founding member of the see also patreon and i just want to say as a fellow podcaster to speak to the audience sometimes i get it There's a ton of podcasts out there. We all listen to them. Sometimes we get behind. Sometimes we're like, okay, maybe I don't need to join the Patreon because like, I don't have time to listen to an extra episode, whatever. It's not about that, y'all. It's $5. Making podcasts can be hard to sustain. And sometimes the money that you get from ads and stuff is definitely not enough to like sustain a podcast. So I always say that if there's any content creator that you like that you're regularly ingesting, whether it's like an OnlyFans creator or Caden Brody, I just think that you should throw them $5 a month. It's $5, you cheap bitches. Get it together. Yeah, what Chelsea said. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea, for joining me here on our very special poodle. And my poodle just barked when I said that of happiest season. Um, Please tell our listeners where they can find you and find every outfit. You can find every outfit wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me, I guess, if you search Chelsea Fairless on Instagram and uh And yeah, thank you for having me. It is always an honor. I love you guys so much. And I hope one of these days I can talk to Brody. Just one of these days. You will. I think next time for sure. We'll invite her back in. We'll we'll invite her back in once we find the most tragic lesbian Christmas movie for next year. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.